No, but we all need some freedom. In fact, as we jump in for sake of time, I want to start with Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. This is going to be the key scripture for the next four weeks for the entire series. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. If I could maybe paraphrase that a little bit or bring it maybe into your modern way of thinking. Scripture is basically telling us that Jesus didn't just save you so you could go to heaven. He didn't just die on a cross so that you would only barely make it to the end of this life and then get to be in heaven. He's saying it is for freedom that he has set you free. In other words, that you don't have to live with panic attacks, that you don't have to live in depression, you don't have to live in hatred and bitterness, you don't have to live with addictions that are controlling you. You don't. It is for freedom that he has set us free. Are you with me today? Say yes. And so the purpose of this series is that you and I would find fresh freedom in areas that maybe the enemy has brought strongholds into our life. I firmly, after this many years of ministry over... 30-something years now of full-time ministry, I have found that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're free in all the areas of your life that you need to be. And so I find that I get a little tied up sometimes. Are you tracking with me? And I have to go back to that place of, oh, Jesus, I need freedom here. And so we're not going to walk bound up. We're not going to walk in bondage. We're going to walk in freedom. Are you with me today? Say yes. In fact, Mark chapter 16, one of my favorite scriptures, when Jesus is telling us what the what he's planning for our lives. He says it like this. He says, and these signs shall follow those who believe. If you're a believer, can I just see your hand real quick? Yeah, you go. So these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. If they drink any poison, it won't kill them. If they get COVID, it won't kill them. Come on, somebody. If they, they'll, they'll heal the sick, the Bible says. They'll pray in other tongues. These powerful things that should be transpiring in our lives. And so I always ask Christians, are you seeing these powerful things following you? Many times they'll put their head down and say, no, I really don't. And I would say that's because something has kept you from the freedom that Jesus has died that you may walk in. So with that being said, we're going to look over these next four weeks at different areas of freedom. Today we're going to start with freedom from the lies of the pit of hell. We're going to move into freedom from uh, fleshly habits over this next part of this series. We're going to look at freedom from oppression, demonic forces that are trying to oppress you and demonize you, if you will. And we're going to look at freedom from curses that have been over your lives, generational curses. And by the end of all this, we're going to be walking so free that when you drive past a funeral home, they're just going to start raising from the dead out in the field. (laughs) So, So let us... So as we jump in today, we're going to start in the first part of our series is freedom from lies. There were these three ministers in this small rural town that decided they were going to go out fishing together. There was a Catholic priest, there was the Baptist pastor, and then there was that non-denominational little charismatic pastor. And they're sitting there fishing, and after a few minutes, the priest just can't take it anymore. He says, now listen, I understand that in this boat are some mature followers of God. And I just want to be honest, I got a vice in my life. It's not going to send me to hell or anything like that, but I just, I know that the people can't handle it if they know about it. So I only do my vice in private. And since we're out here fishing, I hope it won't bother you guys. I've got a little basket of whiskey here that I'd like to drink while I fish. Will that, will that offend you, 
brothers. Oh, no, you going ahead. He starts praying. He's drinking it and he's having a good old time. Well, the Baptist pastor, after a few minutes, says, you know what? I've got a vice as well. I know it won't send me to hell, but I know the people don't really think that, you know, I should be smoking, but I love to smoke. I got a whole pack of Marlboro. I'm going to burn through right now. Don't offend you, brothers. And the other guy's, oh, no, you going ahead. He's, oh, and he's fishing, and the priest is drinking, and the charismatic, non-denominational pastor's just sitting back there grinning, not saying a whole lot. And finally, the other two start getting a little nervous. Does he not have any vices? And so finally, the priest speaks up and says, well, my brother, do you have any vices? And the pastor says, yes, I do. He says, mine is gossiping and lying, and I can't wait to get back to city. <laughs> with that being said, turn with me to John chapter 8 and verse 32. And this will kind of be our bedrock for today's teaching on freedom from the lies. John chapter 8, verse 32. Jesus speaking, he says, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I would like to propose to you today that truth does not set you free. Knowing the truth sets you free. There's a lot of truth out there. <laughs> There's a lot of truth. And just because it's out there doesn't mean people are free. Knowing the truth will set you free. This is in John chapter 8. And if I could just kind of set the scene for you a little bit, it frustrates me when pastors and ministers and preachers pull out a little piece and they start building this whole message around this one little piece or one little sentence of Scripture without giving the full storyline of what's happening and actually putting it in perspective. In John chapter 8, Jesus has finished teaching on the Mount of Olives. People are gathered around him. He's been ministering. He's been teaching. And the people are kind of divided. Most of the people love him. They, they see him as maybe even being the Messiah. But then there's this other group, the Jewish leaders, if you will, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law. And they are really, really mad. They're mad at the popularity, the influence that this man has. They're mad that he seems to be calling himself the Messiah, and surely he is not the Messiah. And so in this whole process, they follow him around like some of you guys follow so certain people on social media so you can catch them in their lies. And so they're trying to catch him in his lies. They're trying to prove the point to all the people because his popularity is so big. And so they're trying, to, they're trying to really smash him. And so in one of the moments in chapter 8, what they do to try to trick him or get him, they bring a woman who's been caught in adultery and they throw him at his feet. I picture she's probably half naked, probably has a sheet around her. Uh, always, when I teach on that particular passage, I always point out that it's interesting to me that these men grab the woman who's been caught in adultery and throws her at Jesus' feet, but they never go get the man who was also in adultery and throw that one at Jesus' feet. And in the midst of this engagement, they said, that, what should we do? Moses said we should have her stoned. The law teaches that she should be stoned for being in adultery. You can probably picture them. They probably got the rocks in their hand. He's been teaching grace. He's been teaching life and life more abundantly. And now they want to catch him in this. But should we not obey the law? And so Jesus says, some of you know the story. He just bends down and he starts writing in the dirt real quietly. The kind of is the picture of the scene. Meanwhile, these guys are starting to just kind of get quiet probably. And they're waiting for him to say something. And Finally, he looks up at all of these men who are vehemently waiting for an answer. And he says, you without sin cast the first stone. 
and he bends down and he keeps writing. One preacher suggested that maybe he was writing their names and their sins. Another one suggested maybe he was just simply writing out all the truth out of the law that they had misappropriated. And in that moment, no one threw a rock at it. In fact, they began to drop their stones and little bit by little bit, they began to just kind of cower away and leave the scene. After a few minutes, Jesus looks up and he's got this woman still at his feet and he looks at her and he says, woman, where are those who accuse you? And she said, they're not here. They've all left. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So he smacks these guys upside the head. I would venture to say they're pretty ticked off. They just got called out. They've been shamed. And now all of a sudden, Jesus goes forward. He, he, he begins to teach again. And so they keep coming and showing up in his meetings. And they're trying to create havoc and disruption and challenge him and catch him on something in the midst as you'll find a little further down in chapter 8 Jesus starts speaking that he is the light of the world I am the light of the world well you know that offends them you're not the light you're just a dude no 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 I am the I am the Messiah I'm God in the flesh and they begin to bicker with him back and forth about him being the light of the world and in the midst of that he says to them he says why can you understand and let's pick up now in John chapter 8 and verse 30 we'll back up before our, our little key verse and it says even as he spoke many put their faith in him so the people are putting their faith in him and to the Jews who had believed him Jesus said this and I want you to catch this he says if you hold to my teaching you are really my disciples. Okay, so this is the problem that we see in, in, in America today. We got so many people who've taken on the Christian label, but they don't hold to his teachings. So he says, if you hold to my teachings, then you're mine. This is how you'll know. You'll know who's mine and who's not mine, because everybody will claim to be me, mine, but they're, not all of them are. He says, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples, verse 32. Then you will know the truth. So how will you know the truth? By holding to his teachings. And by holding to his teachings, truth will begin to just wash over you. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. The truth will keep you walking in freedom. Freedom from what? Lies. And deception. In fact, if I could even kind of sidebar for a second. In Matthew chapter 24, his disciples come to him. And they say, Jesus, how will we know the end of the world's coming? As you study that passage, he gets further down into that, and he talks about, he's talking about wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines, all these things must come, come about. But he opens up his response to their, his immediate response to them. How will we know the end of the world's coming? And he opens up, be sure no one deceives you. And then he goes on to talk about how in these last days that many false prophets, many false teachers will arise, and if even capable to deceive the elect, those who have propagated the goodness of God on the earth, even them, even they may get deceived. Can I just propose to you today that deception is on the rise like we've never thought it before? That the enemy has cracked open the bowels of hell and that so many believers are just so deceived. He says, but if you hold to my teachings, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you continue down in that whole piece, they begin to get very, the religious leaders get very, very mad at him to the point they even want to kill him. And he's trying to speak truth to them, but they can't see it. They can't receive it. And so let's pick up in verse 43 now, dropping down in chapter 8. He says, why is my language not clear to you? 
Why is it not? Let me tell you why my language is not clear to you. He says, because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. Keep reading. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar, and what? And the father of lies. So Jesus is ministering and speaking truth. And there are those in front of him that are receiving it. And freedom is coming to them. But there are others who cannot receive it. And he points out to them, the reason why you can't hear me, the reason my my words and my truth do not break through, because you are not of the Father in heaven, you are of your father Satan, who is the father of lies. His native language is lies. Now let me help you understand, Jesus is not talking about Satan's gender when he says father. Say with me. He's talking about his operation. I don't care what you do through cosmetic surgery. At the end of the day, a father has the ability to do something and a mother has the ability to do something. What Jesus is referring to, he's talking about his biological operations, and not to be sexual today, but to help you understand, his biological operations. What fathers do, therefore they become fathers, is they disseminate seed. You tracking with me? What mothers do is they receive that seed and then something inside of them begins to grow. When Jesus is talking about what Satan is and what he does, he calls him the father of lies. What Satan does is disseminate lies. And what humanity does is receives it and then it begins to propagate inside of them. And so Jesus is saying... I love you so much, and I'm trying to speak truth to you. But I can't speak truth to you because you are already so full of lies. Uh, Let me illustrate that for a second. Let me get some guys up here to help me. Can I get, can I, I got a couple guys that are going to help me a little bit. Come on up here, guys. Bring that up here. I got, where's my guy? Come on up here. I got Josiah. He's coming to help. Everybody give Josiah a hand. I'm so proud of this guy. Love this guy. So we've got one more. You got anybody else to help me? All right, here. Do you just stay with me right here? Yeah, bring me those real quick for a second. Now, here's how I want you to understand this. Josiah, hold your hands up. So what Satan does is, come stand a little closer to me right here, Josiah. What Satan does is he propagates lies. So he gives you lies. You're never going to amount to anything. You're going to be an alcoholic just like your daddy. Stand with me. You've worked 30 years in this job, and they still aren't going to respect you and treat you right. You married the wrong one, dummy. Don't you realize that? Now you're in deep trouble and deep difficulty. And so what Satan does is he continues to propagate in your life all of these different lies. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. And so the more lies he piles up, are you, are you, uh, n- n- look at the believer. Just because you've gotten saved. But then Jesus has a box of truth. It is the great jewel. The great jewel. And when Jesus is now trying to give you great truth... You have no ability to receive it because you're already full of so many lies. And so that's why you can have Christians who say it's okay to kill babies in the womb. Not because they're bad people, they're good people. But there have been so many other things propagated inside of them 
that they can't even see the truth when God says, I have knit you in your mother's womb. Before the foundations of the earth, I picked you and I chose you. It don't matter how your mama got together with your daddy. It don't matter who's a sperm donor or not. I put you on this planet because I have a plan and a purpose for you. But when you've been so, you've been so brought into all of these other pieces, you can't receive the great truth of God's power. Because why? Because you begin so consumed and that seed has been growing and now it's propagated into something else and it's grown into other things because he is the father of lies. And when he speaks, he speaks his natural language. He can't speak any other language. He can't speak any other language. And here's been my problem as I've tried to pastor you guys the last couple of years is that you have opened yourself up to every lie imaginable through all your little social media devices and all your other little pieces and all these little things you're listening to. And as a result, I'm trying to speak truth to you from the heavenly word and you can't even receive it. And so you just kind of sit there numb sometimes. Why? Not because you're bad, not because you're evil, because you've already been filled and I'm trying to get truth in, and I can't get it in. Because why? Because you've already received all these other positions that are against what the Word of God says. So give these guys a hand. You can set those boxes down for me right there, gentlemen. God bless you. As we turn into this, I want to give you some understanding of what the power of a lie does. Write these down. They'll help you. Here's the first thing you need to understand about the power of a lie. The first thing it does to your life and my life is it steals your potential. It steals your potential. I've told you this before, but, you know, I have been, um, I've been in Sri Lanka, uh, which is just south of India. It's, a, you know, a little island group just, just south of India. And I, I got to see these elephants and things like that. And I'll never forget the first time I was around these gigantic animals. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up kind of had a little bit of country life, but mainly city life. So even being around horses, you know, my wife, when I married her, she had two big old hunking horses. And the first thing that drew, I was dating her, and she sat on that horse, she pulled it out of the stall, and she said, hey, we're going to go ride. She gets up on this horse, and this horse starts going crazy and doing like that. And my wife starts punching this horse in the head. We were just dating at the time. And right then and there, I had to decide, is this the kind of woman I want to be married to? Just wondering. I mean, she slapped this thing upside, and that horse stopped. And, doing, and, my, and she said, do you want to ride the horse? I said, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. I don't want anything that weighs 1,000 pounds that can murder me accidentally. You know, she even wants to swim with whales. I was like, why would you want to do that? They're just so nice. I said, they're not nice. You don't know nothing about them. They could flip their tail accidentally and throw you 100 yards. Like, dude, this is a big creature. And I had the same experience with these elephants. And I'll never forget being in Sri Lanka, and they're walking these elephants, these little old Indian men. They weigh a buck five, you know, and they're hitting them in the back of the leg, and these elephants are walking, you know, and all, they got a little rope. They got a little rope around their neck or something, around their little leg or something. They're just hitting them, and, they, and, these, and they're commanding these giant animals. And I'll never forget, I asked the guy, I said, how do they do that? They said, it goes back to when they're small. When an elephant's first born, what they'll do is they'll take it away from its mother. They'll put a rope around its little leg, and then they'll stake it to the ground. So when that little elephant tries to run to its mother, it can't because that rope holds it back. And they will, they will literally train that elephant that it can never go past the rope that's around its leg. That elephant can grow. 
it can become so super powerful that it could just rip that thing, obviously can rip that off, rip the chains around its, its legs, whatever, but it never knows it can because in its psyche, it's been lied to that you are limited to the power of the rope that has always been there since you were little. And so these giant animals are controlled by these little Indian guys. And these, and this walk with them. And I'll, we were at this particular moment in Sri Lanka where they were doing some type of festival. And they must have had 30 elephants. They had them dressed in all of the garb with all the things hanging from them with bells on them and this kind of stuff. And so we all went down to see it. We were on this mission trip. And I'm standing there, you know, watching the elephants and, and I'm on the front row, you know, on this kind of this boulevard, and they're, kind of, they're coming down this boulevard, and then they're taking a turn, kind of an elbow right there, and they're walking. We're right in the elbow, so they're coming towards us, and then they're going this way. We've got the best seat in the house. I'm standing there with all these people, and a couple, you know, a few Americans were there on this mission trip. All of a sudden, we're about 10 elephants into about a 30-elephant procession, when all of a sudden, elephant number 11 decides, I'm done. And elephant number 7 goes and rises up on his hind legs and this little Indian guy goes flying across the field and that elephant starts shaking off all its stuff and uh, now you got to understand on that mission trip when we went to go on that mission trip our kids ministry at our church had been singing this little song about the Holy Ghost will take the chicken out of you and so we had been singing this little song everywhere we went and then I had come up with this little thing that I had done with Cohen when he was a little boy I called it the Flexomatic. And what I would do is I would just go like this and Cohen would flex back. And so anytime on the mission trip, any of the kids started acting stupid, I was like, I'm about to put the flex magnet on you right now. You better tighten up. They're like, okay, Pastor, <laughs> that's hilarious, you know. Too many WWF, you know, episodes. So anyway, all of a sudden these elephants start turning and they start shaking off. Every, everybody behind number 11 starts going crazy. They start throwing their little people around. Everybody, I look up and I'm the only idiot still standing there. Everybody else says, I mean, all, all, all the Sri Lankans are like, they know good and well. You cannot stand against an elephant. And I'm just like, it's awesome, you know, I'm American. And so next thing I know, that elephant looks at me and starts charging me. And I'm sitting, and all of a sudden it hits me. I'm about to die. I promise you, I have, I, I'm like, I'm about to die. And all of my American missionary kids with me are gone. They're gone. I'm the only idiot standing in the street. And as this elephant comes running at me, I don't even know why I did it. I can't tell you I planned it. Just all of a sudden I go, Rawr! like that. And this elephant goes, <laughs> looks at me on the side of his eye, like, this guy's crazy. And he just goes, and runs off the other direction. I said, that's right. Right. Do you know why? That elephant probably had a flashback when it was little on some human beating it or whatever. And so in the midst of charging, I do something that probably even triggered some of those old lies. And it stopped what it was doing. And it lost all of its potential. Some of you are living in the lie that you can never do anything great for God because you went through a divorce. Or because you had an adulterous affair back in the day. Some of you are living in the lie that you have to take all of this medication because if you don't, then you can't actually have a conversation with other people because of what happened to, because of the trauma of your past. I want you to know that lies, the power of them is to kill and steal your potential. 
Listen to me. There's some single ladies in the house that you think, I cannot be really, I cannot be cold until I have a man. Let me just tell you something. Mother Teresa changed the world without some dude inside of her. I just want you to know, you are whole because Jesus is your daddy. He is your lover. He's got you. There, you, don't, you don't have to chase after relationships to make it. That's a lie. Don't believe that mess. You don't have to go out because nobody in the church will date you and go find you someone on getahookup.com and now all of a sudden you're all away from God because you felt this need, this lie that was propagating in you that you're too lonely and you can't enjoy life. Listen, those are lies that must be broken. Are you with me today? Say yes. Here's the second power of a lie and that is it causes you to hurt others. It causes you to hurt others. Adam and Eve, we are all in the mess today because of Adam and Eve. Them jokers were in paradise, living the dream. No sin, no 105 degree weather, none of that. They were living the dream and Satan came and said, did God really say that you should not eat of the tree? And the knowledge of good and evil. He only says that because he knows you'll be like him, understanding. You're right. The moment they believed that lie, look what it did. It caused them to hurt us. Us. Their great, 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 he goes, um, he goes, my wife and I pastor a church. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a decent-sized church. He goes, and uh, uh, two years ago, we're in the middle of service, and in the middle of service, this lady began to manifest demons. And we were like, you know, we, you know, we kind of have people trained what to do, and they pulled her out, and they kind of got, got her free, cast the devil out of her. And after service, you know, my wife and I went and talked to her. She was free. It was awesome. Next Sunday, came back, and she manifested demons again in the middle of worship. I'm like, oh, my goodness. They take her out, get her free. Third Sunday, same thing. She messed so, so my wife and I are like, we gotta, we got to figure this thing out. Let's meet with her. So my wife and I decided to meet with her. He said, and, 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 and we just asked her, so what's, what's, tell us your life. Like, what's happening? And she goes, well, she said, I've been married six times. And, um, and every time, um, you know, after having kids or whatever, um, I cheat on my husbands, every one of them. And she said, I have a, a, I've got a demon. I've got a spirit of Jezebel, and I, I can't stop it. And I go to churches, and they cast it out, and then it comes back even stronger. And, and uh, I don't know. And so the pastor just had this check from the Holy Spirit. And he said, well, well let's back up. Tell me, tell me your whole story. And because um, she was just broken about how many people, how many, how she's destroyed so many marriages. She's hurt so many people. And so she was really on a, a road to destruction of, um, of suicide is where she was at at this point, in her 40s or something like that. And uh, he said, well, back me up. Tell me a little bit about your childhood. And she said, well, um, my dad left me and my mom and my little sister when I was, I don't know, eight, nine. And um, my mom really struggled, really, really struggled. And she kept saying, I got to get us a man. I got to get a man. I can't do this by myself. And so one day she brought home this guy who was about six years younger than her. And uh, he started living with us. And she was, she, mom was like, you know, this guy's going to save the day for us. And she said, you know, by this time I'm about 12. And. One night he came into my bedroom and um, he, you know, he sexually assaulted me. And, and so, um, so I didn't know what to do with that. And, um, you know, I waited a few days. And I, when I told my mom, he, she said, my mom said, she said, uh, how dare you 
you are a bad word. And she said, and you've got a demon of Jezebel who's try you're trying to steal my man from me. And the pastor said the moment these words rolled off her lips, the Spirit of God inside of him literally just spiked. Like this anger thing from the holy anger came out. And before he knew it, he yelled out, Liar! Liar! And the lady does like his wife looks at him. You all right? And he said before he knew it, just coming out of him, the Spirit of the Lord was speaking out of him. That's a lie. That's a lie. You did not try to seduce your mama's boyfriend. You were sexually assaulted. You didn't do anything wrong. You, are not, you did not propagate that. That is a lie. And your broken little mama was a conduit for that lie. And that lie now has gotten so deep inside of you that it's broken, brought forth other demonic forces. And the moment, and he said, the moment that he said, it's a lie, she shook like this. And she said, big, tear, big tears. And as he began to speak truth and truth, and the Bible says, and the word of God says, who the sun sets free is free indeed. He said, all of a sudden, this woman, a peace came over. For her she was immediately free now they had cast demons out of her and cast demons out of her but there was a lie that had been propagating since she was a little girl that kept her from being who she was called to be and as a result she was hurting everyone she got around because hurt people hurt people but this lie had been the center point for the forces of evil to be able to propagate and friend can I tell you something if you don't get rid of the lies they will cause you to hurt other people they don't you don't want to you don't mean to but this thing is stirring and in the back of your mind and the moment this thing broke free for her she never again she never again was sexual sexually perverted she got in everything shifted for her he said she ended up getting beautifully married a couple years later and has been faithful ever since he said because the lie was the root that the enemy was using to propagate all the other difficulties are you tracking with me say yes you've got to understand he is the father of lies he's constantly disseminating lies just send them, send them. And when you receive them, you don't even know you're receiving them sometimes. Like, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, Jesus and Satan, we're brothers. That sounds right. No, no, it is not. Oprah's right. There's many ways to get to heaven. That's true. Why would God send, send Muslims to hell? I mean, God's a good God. That's true. No, it's not. There is one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. He said, well, that, that just don't seem right. I know it doesn't seem right to you. It doesn't. You can't receive that. Why? Because you've received all this other stuff. And so as a result, and so I never, so, so I always thought it was hilarious as different Christians get all mad at everyone who is broken. Those, those such and such as do this, those liberals, like, um, they're just broken people like us. We've been redeemed and we've gotten set free from all our lives or we would be that too. So why are we angry at them instead of helping them see truth by breaking the lies? Like, like we all are deceived in some area. Just so you know, we all, we all got something that grandmama said that we believe. That somebody that we thought was so much smarter than us at the university said, and we went, that sounds right. That sounds true. Let me give you the third power that a lie has over our lives. And if we're not careful, it keeps you from really knowing your God. A lie will keep you from really knowing your God. Jesus said, why is it that you can't understand my language? 
These guys are face to face with God. Having you ever prayed, Jesus, if I could just see you, if I could just touch you, I would know this whole thing is real. They're right there touching him, seeing him, hearing him, and they can't. Why? Not because he lacked power, because they were full of lies. He says, the father of lies has so seeded you, and that seedling has grown and propagated to where you can't even receive what I have for you. There's no space. It's all been taken. You're full of lies. There was a young man in our youth ministry years ago. Mom and dad sold out to God, loved Jesus, went to Bible school, had these kids. His big sister was in Bible school, and he was about 13, 14 years of age, maybe 14, 15 when I met him. And, and uh, he'd come to church, you know, sit in the back. Cool. He's cool. And so I always love that. That's a challenge for me, right? So I'm like, let's go. So I started hanging out with him. I said, man, I want to play basketball. Can you, can you shoot ball? Oh, yeah, yeah. And they always look at me as a little short, white, fat, white guy, like, Pfft, all right. So I'm like, I'd love to play you in a game. And so after I beat them real bad in those days, not anymore. Don't anybody challenge me. You win. Then, then they could hear me. And so you got to humble them anyway. So, and so I started hanging out with this kid, started discipling him a little bit. And uh, I realized from the very beginning that he was struggling with a lie. And this is a lie that he, he had believed since he was about 12 or 13. Christianity is boring. Serving God and being righteous in living is not as exciting. Sin. <laughs> so I watched this kid. He'd come to our youth camps. God would touch him. All these great things would happen. But he was constantly sneaking away to get into that stuff. Tonight, have his little thing. Have his little thing. Started with girls. Moved into a little bit of drugs. And moved into stealing stuff. In fact, um, they, he and his wife ended up in our church a few years back. And he told me the story and allowed me to share it. In fact, we made a video of it a couple years ago. He said he got married to a girl that was in our youth group. They had a couple kids. I, we had, Jamie and I had moved on and they stayed at that particular church. And here they are as a young married couple. And he said, Pastor, I, was, I had three or four women going on the side that I was cheating on against my wife. He said, my wife got sick one day and, uh, and asked me if I would go ahead to go to church that Sunday and take the kids with me so that she could just have a morning to kind of recover. And so he said, I did. He said, and I was sitting there, like always, probably even texting some of the girls that he's, you know, he's got on the side, women that he's got on the side. He said, and all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, but the pastor said something. And for the first time, it clicked. For the first time, I saw the truth of my sin and the destruction therein. And he goes, I, I, he said, I just, I received this truth. I, all the years of being in church, the one year that I, I attempted Bible school, never broke through. And something, been in this church all these years, something that was said, some moment there, it broke through and I saw truth. He said, I began to weep uncontrollably. He said, and the pastor didn't even have a chance to wrap up his message. I ran to the front, I got on my knees and I started crying out to God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. He said, in that moment, all of the lies that had been propagating, I mean, all the junk that I had just held on to, he said it was like it was gone, and I held this truth that God is real. 
that God is good, that serving God is so much better than the wickedness of which I've been hiding. And, and God flooded over me. He said, I laid on the floor. Church was over. They were trying to bring me my kids. And I'm laying on the floor. He said, took them home and I told my wife that God had rocked my face off and she was just so excited. She'd been praying and praying and praying. Never forget that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much, by the way, for those who in your life who are away from the Lord. And so he said, and, and then the Lord spoke to me, you need to tell her what you've been doing. And he said, God, I'll lose her. And the Lord said, you need to tell her what you've been doing. What did we learn from Jesus? If you will obey my teachings, then you are my disciples. Doesn't matter the concepts of this world. What does the word of God say? So he said, okay, I'll obey. And so when he told her, it happened just like he knew it would. She left. She went to her parents. She was planning on divorcing him. She had a, she had a biblical uh, stance for that. And, uh, and while she was about third day into it, God came to her in the night in a dream and said, stay with him. I've done a great work in him, and this is the man you're supposed to be with. And so she went back to him. They, they restored, and can I tell you, they came to our church for a season. They were the most phenomenal lovers of Jesus and lovers of each other I'd ever seen. It was unbelievable. They, they came to us, and they're like, we feel like we're supposed to go be missionaries uh, to Hawaii. And I said, no, though, I'm supposed to go be a missionary in Hawaii. You're supposed to stay in Texas. Like, I want that calling. Yes, Lord, come on. A beach, small group, and call it church. Anyway, and so... And so, but the Lord was on it, and they moved there. Can I tell you, they got involved in the foster care system, and they have saved this little child. It is so phenomenal how much they love Jesus, how close they are as a family. God turned it around when the lie was broken. So let me give you just a couple of thoughts on how you and I, for sake of time, listen, how do we get rid of the lies? How do we get, how, how do we get rid of this stuff? First thing you got to do is you got to own it. You got to own it. I have believed some things that may not be right. You just got to own it. James chapter 1 and verse 14 says, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. See, friend, we all have some areas that we don't, qui that we don't quite have the truth in, that maybe we have a little bit of deception in, that we thought that was the right way, and maybe, maybe we never saw it before, but those blinders is what Jesus wants to set you free. But it starts with you and I going, Lord, I own the fact that I might be deceived in some areas and I want you to reveal truth to me. It starts there. It starts with not going, oh, praise God, I've been in church my whole life and I'm telling you, I see everything and I know I'm good. Well, just ask, ask the people that are married to you or ask the people that do small group life. They'll help you point out some things that maybe you still can work on. That's why many of you won't get in small group life because you don't want anybody to point it out that you still got some stuff. Anyway, let's move on because I, I went from preaching to meddling and I want to repent for that right now. All right, number two. How to get rid of the lies. And that is, number two, filter every belief that you have through the Word of God. I was on a real, real rampage with us at the beginning of the year because I could not believe 2019, 2020, and 2021. How many Christians did not have a biblical worldview based on what they were posting, based on how they were treating their brothers and sisters in Christ, Based on, what they were, based on what they were vehemently, you know, yelling about. I just couldn't, you do not have a biblical worldview. What you took was our culture worldview, and you tried to align that with the Bible. And when it didn't line up, you said, I don't care, I'm going to stick with this. And this is broken, okay? So let me tell you, as a true believer, what Adam and Jamie McCain did. 
We take whatever is happening in culture and we compare it to what does the word of God say? And if the word of God says, no, it's like this, then that's what we do. And it doesn't matter if people like us or are happy with us or not happy. With, they weren't happy with Jesus. They weren't happy with Jesus. It needs to line up with the word of God. What does the word say? Oh, I don't know. If your brother offends you, Matthew 18, go to them. Not start a whole group of people talking bad about them. Go to them directly and present to them how what they've done hurts you. Or another passage in Matthew says, and if you're in the middle of worshiping and bringing your sacrifice before the Lord and you realize that your brother has offense against you because you did something or maybe you didn't mean to do something and you realize that because I'm revealing that to you, stop what you're doing and go make that right with your brother. Or I don't know, things like if you've looked upon a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery with her. Instead of trying to justify the porn, how about we just repent of it and go on with our life? Are you tracking with me? Say yes. I know I don't make you happy, but I sure do love you. Psalms 119.11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. It's not what I feel like. It's not what I think. I, I, if I, hear, I hear so many Christians, I just feel like this. Well, I just feel like that. That's great, but that's not what the word says. I just feel like we should do this. I just feel like we should be like that. I just feel like we should do Awesome. I appreciate your feelings. But at the end of the day, what does the word say? We are believers. Back to our main passage in, in John chapter 8. You are my disciples if you obey my teachings. This is where the breakdown is. Is that we want to take this and move it into his great truth. They, they literally fight against each other. And they cannot exist together. So what you have to do is keep that and let go of his truth, or you've got to throw that out and hold on to his truth. And this is where the believer has been struggling. Because why? Because we live in an era that Jesus prophesied about, that there would be great deception. The father of lies will propagate so much that even the elect, if at all possible, will be deceived. That the love of most would grow cold. That's Matthew chapter 20, which talks about. Let me bring to you the third way to get rid of a lie. So number one, own it. Number two, filter every belief through the word of God. And number three, learn to walk with the Holy Spirit. I know that sounds a little ethereal, but let me break that down for a little bit. God never intended for you to be powerless. He never, figured, he never planned for you to do all these right and wrong things. He, if, 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 let me just say it like this. If we could have lived the right and wrong checklist, then he, we wouldn't need Jesus to die on the cross. We could have just lived by the Torah, by the law. If we could have done it in our own strength, we wouldn't have needed Jesus on the cross and we wouldn't have needed his Holy Spirit to come and fill us. He recognized, wait a minute, humanity cannot live the righteous law. So first off, I'm gonna pay for all their sin. I'm gonna send my son Jesus, my only begotten son. He's gonna die on the cross and he's gonna prepay for every sin they'll ever commit. Then I'm gonna send them the Holy Spirit the third person in the Trinity, and he's going to live inside of them and abide in them and give them power over every, every plan and work of, any, of the enemy. And not only that, look what it says the Holy Spirit will do for us in John chapter 16, verse 13, talking about the Holy Spirit. But when he, the spirit of truth, what is he? The spirit of, say it again, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. 
I so appreciate all of the education that I have. I so appreciate all the great men and women who've literally invested in my life. But at the end of the day, it's been the Holy Spirit, as I've read his holy word, that has revealed truth to me. That I've said, ooh, I didn't even see that. Where'd that come from? And some of you walk up to me, Pastor, boy, the day you was punching my numbers. I'm like, no, I was not. I was just presenting what the Holy Spirit presented to me. And then as I was presenting to you, the spirit inside of you was like, that's it, that's it, that's it. And you're like, ugh. Why? Because the spirit of the living God that dwells inside of you is going to lead you and guide you in all truth. Are you with me? Say yes. And so if you have quenched the Holy Spirit, if you've never been baptized mode in the Holy Spirit, let me tell you what's happening August 5th. We're having our encounter. It's a Friday night. Go online, register for it. We're going to get you free. We're going to get you filled. We're going to get us refreshed. And so that you and I can say, wait a minute, that don't sound right. What they just said, that don't sound right. Because the Spirit of the Lord's like, that's not right. Years ago, I was flipping through uh, the TV and I came across the Christian television channel. And there's this guy on there preaching. And he was, he was boy, he was fine, man. He, he had lots of money. He had rings on every finger. And boy, he was all about the money. And he said, let me tell you something. My adult son came home the other day driving a Honda Accord. And I said, no, you will not. He said, I pulled him into my office and said, do you know who we are? We are king's kids. You will not drive that mess being the son of a king's kid. You are a king's kid, boy. He said, so I called over, and I had the driver bring my Rolls Royce up out of the garage. And I put him in the back seat with me in that out of that garage in that Rolls Royce. And I told the driver, just drive around. Just drive all through the downtown area. And as we drove, I said, boy, look at that. Look how they look at us. Look how they're looking at you. Come on now. See, you're a king's kid when you walk in the prosperity of the living God. And I'm listening to this. And I'm struggling. Like, if I'm going through, I, I thought the Son of Man didn't even have a place to lay his head. I thought, I mean, I just, but then at the same time, he did win the lottery whenever the, the king, uh, the wise men showed up and gave him all those gifts. I, I'm struggling with it. I'm struggling with it. Struggling. When all of a sudden, from within me, are you with me? Say yes. The spirit of the living God said this, Adam, I could care a flying flip what you drive. I don't care if it's a Honda Accord or a Rolls Royce. But here's what I want to know. If you get a Rolls Royce, will you pick those homeless people up on the side of the road and put them up on that leather seat with you and take them to go get them some food and help them get jobs so they can, they can support themselves? And will you teach them about the living God that hasn't abandoned them or forgotten them? And will you help them get free from all the junk that has permeated their brain and their heart and their mind that's broken their heart so that they don't know the love of the living God? Will you help them with that? Will you drive them around in the Rolls Royce and say, hey, everybody, See that this is valuable. They are valuable. They are worth something. And I said, Jesus, if you give me a Rolls Royce, I will pick up every homeless person and I will drive them all around town. But otherwise, I'll take a Honda Accord right now because my truck ain't really working too good. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord began to go, mm, 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 mm. That's not quite right. That's a little off over here. That's just a little off over here. It, there's some truth in that, but the beauty of a lie is that it's got some truth in it and not all truth. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. Here's what I want you to do today. I want you to stand to your feet quickly.